are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is flourishing thanks to chlorophyll, the magical chemical that helps green plants turn sunlight into food. Now that's what I call a light meal. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve, and this is my podcast. You probably already knew that. It's about plants for when you're stuck inside. And each week, I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them. And then I share with a guest about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. Now, here at the top of the show, before we meet our guest, I was thinking today about... uh, genuses or uh, what is it uh, genera I think is the proper plural term for that classification of living things I was thinking about genera or genera um, because well the plant that I talk about later uh, I was surprised that the genera is named after a person and I think that happens a lot there's these plant genera or the genuses uh, that we might know those names and they're so synonymous with the plant or the animal that we don't realize that they're named after a person. That happens a lot. I think I mentioned in this episode that like Carl Linnaeus, I feel like was just like naming plants after like everybody he knew <laughs> at one point. And so I figured I'd look up a list of maybe some common plants that you may or may not know are named after people. So magnolia, that is just synonymous with a plant, but that is named after a French botanist named Pierre a magnol, or probably magnol. I, I, I don't know that French pronunciation, but yes, magnolia is named after a guy. Uh, fuchsia, uh, I was surprised, is named after a German botanist named Leonhard Fuchs, F-U-C-H-S. So it should be like Fuchsia, I guess, it would be more accurate than fuchsia. Uh, dahlias are named after a Swedish botanist named Anders Dahl. And then um, Bougainvillea, is named after another French guy who was apparently an explorer named Louis-Antoine de Bougainville. So, uh, and there's a lot more, I think. it's I think it's uh, a ton, but those are ones that, I, that just popped out to me that I was like, oh, those are named after people? I had no idea. And then I was thinking, well, you know, these are all kind of historical people. Who is like, are, are there any people who are like alive today, modern times, who have whole genuses of plants named after them? And um, I, I started looking up, and it turns out, uh, you know, there's probably more than this, but the one that stood out to me is there is a species of small tree that uh, was discovered in 2013 in Gabon, and that genus name is Sirdavidia, which is named after, can you guess it? Sir David Attenborough. If left to themselves, the plants would completely take over. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Thanks for having me. Uh, do you have a plant to share with us today? I do. My plant is the Syngonium podophyllum. Syngonium podophyllum. Okay. I have not even heard of that genus before. Uh, I don't know. Where do we start? Um, 
I normally ask like why people ch- chose to plant, but first let's maybe just get into like what it is because I, I I don't know what it is at all, and and uh, maybe the audience needs to visualize it before we hear why it's meaningful to you. Yeah, the the Sigonia protophyllum is um, commonly referred to as uh, the arrowhead vine, arrowhead plant, um, sometimes goosefoot, um, based on the, the shape of the leaves. It's really a it, it's a typical house plant. Honestly, it's what it comes down to. Mm. Okay, okay. Starting to think mm-hmm. about it a little bit more. When you said goosefoot, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. There's a very common weed called goosefoot, but very unrelated. Mm-hmm. That Yeah, that's... Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, say the name one more time. Syngonium podophyllum. Syngonium podophyllum. And what do you call it uh, normally? What's your common name for typically it? Typically, I call it the arrowhead plant. Arrowhead yep. plant. All right, cool. All right. Tell me about this plant. Why is it meaningful to you? Uh, this plant specifically is meaningful to me. Um... So, my mother received one of these as a gift when I was born back in 87. Um, she, she has kept mm-hmm. it alive all this time. It is the same plant that I pulled a propagation off of a couple years ago, and is the plant that I currently have in my house. So, it is, wow. it is what we refer to as my sibling plant in my family. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Wow. That I mean, that's a, such a cool thing about plants of like how long lived they can mm-hmm. be. And when you start getting into propagation, it starts to be like even more like, you know, what what plant? What's a plant? Right. What's the same plant? So is the original one? I mean, the one that's like in the soil that's still at your mom's house too. Oh uh, yeah, still still living, still um, still trekking on. Um, she's pulled a bunch of propagations off of it over the years. Um, we've taken pretty good care of ours, and we've even propagated it, um, off of um. A handful of times, it's very bushy at this point. Wow, that that is, I yeah, very cool. Um, and and how how big is the original one after being, you know, this is like thirty some years old here. Uh, that one, it's it's not it's not super big. Um, she it has come and gone. It's, it's ebbed and flow mm-hmm. as far as you know successful living is concerned. Um, sometimes it has appeared <laughs> to be almost dead. Um, and then it's it's come back miraculously, um, but it is still alive. It's it's more of a vine at this point. Hers is, um, uh-huh. so you can propagate it several times to make it more bushy. But af- as it ages, it mm. either vines, it either climbs or it trails, um, depending on which which way you sort of train it. She has sort of trained it to trail a little bit. Do you ever find yourself like identifying with a plant, and when you see that it's like <laughs> not doing well, I mean, like I don't know. It seems like oh my gosh, uh, yeah. Yeah, this particular plant, um, just sort of hindsight, looking at its lifetime, um, I go, oh, wow, that's um, similar to myself, I guess. It's, you know, <laughs> it's ebbed and flowed as far as, you know, its, <laughs> its survival, I suppose, through the years. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty hardy plant. So, in a way, I look up to it for its survivability. Very interesting. Well, well, we're not talking about my plant yet, but there's a couple things about the plant that you chose that are just coincidentally very similar to the nice. plant that I chose. So that that happens a lot. <laughs> this is very interesting. Um, so, okay. Uh, let's talk maybe a little bit about some fun facts and dazzling details. Like, what can you tell us about this plant? Where is it from? What's its deal? Um, it is originally from Latin America, so anywhere between uh, Mexico and Bolivia. Um, it is sort of naturalized... Um, in like Texas, Hawaii, Florida, like the the warmer states, um, and then it's it's really just a very popular, you know, tropical um, house plant. Um, it's 
it's it's supposed to flower. I think it's very closely related to the peace lily. It's flower um, if and when it does flower. It looks very much like the peace lily's flower. Typically, the house plants, since they're indoor, they don't ever flower. It's very rare that they do. Um, I don't think my mother's have, has ever flowered. Honestly, researching this plant um, recently, I learned that it flowers, which makes sense. It's a it's a plant. You would think it would, <laughs> it would flower yeah. at some point, but the fact that it, I've never seen um, this thing flower over have, thirty plus years. Have Have you ever flowered? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that I'm the indoor plant. It'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Sorry. I, uh, the, I was drawing too many uh, uh, connections no, yeah, between yeah. the person and the plant. Um, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing with houseplants. We've talked about that a bunch in the show is most houseplants are tropical mm. plants, and that's because they're in the, uh, the canopy of the forest, and so they can deal with low light because mm-hmm. they're used to it. And they also seem to all have this really good ability of like holding off their flowering until the right time. Because right. if you're, you don't want to flower if you're down on the floor of the jungle, so mm-hmm. you're climbing or you're trying all these different strategies to like wait to flower the right moment. And because of that, because you know indoors it's just always like you're in the canopy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so interesting. These plants have like a different mode mm-hmm. of of living when they're a house plant versus you know in the wild or yeah it's for, yeah it's very interesting yeah it's it's a it's a very hardy plant it's you know um over 30 plus years my mother's hasn't died it's almost died it's bounced back every single time it's um unkillable i think at this point <laughs> and and it, the same is going through for the propagation that you have uh, at a uh, at your place yeah it, it propagates wonderfully um if you pull it off you know just under a node and stick in some water for about a week or two it's you know roots galore it can even i think survive in just water as long as you switch the water out every couple of weeks it'll it'll grow just fine we have some propagations wow. going at the when, moment how- that are just putting off leaves on their own because we just haven't moved them to soil yet uh, h- how old is the like the main one that you have now at your house uh, the one i have is probably i would say about two to three years old at wow, this point cool. um okay here's an in- another interesting thing about house plants i talked to some guests a while back um, do, do you name your house plants? No, I've never been one to like name plants or like cars or the normal things that people name. Just never been I. What? And then what you said earlier, like how you refer to the plant that said your mom house things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a name. It's not like Ryan two or something. Right. Uh, it, it, but you call what you said you called when you refer to it. What do you say? My my human siblings tend to refer to it as my sibling plant or my twin planter. Whatever they want to, whatever Similar they want to call it, because <laughs> it's, 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 you know, she got it while she was in the hospital when she gave birth to me. So it's literally been, you know, somewhere nearby my entire life. Wow, mm-hmm. so cool. That's so yeah. cool. Um, do your other siblings have sibling plants? Or are you like the special? I am one? the special one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the favorite cool. of the family. They would probably agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely a favorite of the mm-hmm. plant. Um, uh, very, very interesting. Um, yeah, do you have any other fun facts or dazzling details about this plant? Um, something I learned um, while doing research with uh, apparently it's poisonous. I had, I had, no, it's like very toxic, you know, to like dogs, <laughs> cats, people. <laughs> it's um, okay, good. There's like a very specific um, cell in it, um, oxalate, something. It's oh, yeah. just like the 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 oxalates. Yeah, the just the build of it is like very sharp crystals. And um, ingesting it will essentially slice up whatever it touches, so it's very poisonous. Yes, yes. 
had not realized that given the fact that this plant my entire life has always been relatively low to the ground that dogs cats and <laughs> yeah. children can reach <laughs> so far so good, so far, so good. Uh, do you have any do you have any pet do you have any pets any cats dogs oh we have two dogs two dogs okay and they don't care about the plant they don't seem to, to the plant. they don't seem to eat this one they like the herbs uh, on mm, the deck mm-hmm. they don't seem to um super enjoy you know, eating the house plants so that's good that's good yeah. That's my struggle as as the audience who's listening to the show knows that I don't have a ton of house plants because I, ha- I mean, you can see one of the cats in the background. I have three cats and they they are pretty fascinated with them and so I do have to avoid. Uh, I mean, I've had some people say that like when you get a house plant that is like toxic, most of the time cats if they even take a little bite they are done yeah. and they don't try to swallow. <laughs> one and done. It. But yep. still, I I don't want don't want to risk it. Um, so I I have to try to find the the cat safe house plants and and they're few and far between and then you have ones that are cat safe but also are cat uh, attracting <laughs> they like to destroy them so so there's a small window of house plants mm-hmm. uh, that I, that I have but so i guess i'll be avoiding the arrowhead plant though unfortunately <laughs> for if uh, if i uh, if yeah yeah i mean it's it's not all negative um it is it is it, symbolic in feng shui the arrowhead plant because the the way that the the leaves grow it starts out as a juvenile they look like arrow arrowheads um, as they grow mm-hmm. they get more of a lobed shaped um, so like the the leaves mm. are eventually like a five leaf lobe look um, as they get oh, much much older um, a lot of the ones you buy in stores are arrowhead plants for, well they're shaped like arrowheads because they're like young juvenile plants um, but they eventually I'm gonna Google this right yeah. now. They eventually have this five-leaf lobe look, which in feng shui is said to represent the five elements. So it, it like brings positive energy in, um, into your house. So you can balance very, that very with the, so na- you can balance that out with the poisonous aspect of it. Yeah, that that's mm-hmm. that's totally cool. Um, so that's very interesting. Um, the plant, the one that's you know your sibling plant. Is it like mostly five lobe leaves now because it's an old plant, or does it does that kind of ebb and flow? How does that work with the leaves? It, a lot of it actually is the the, the larger five lobed uh, leaves, uh, which through my life I thought it was a different plant being potted in the same pot. But after like looking at it closer, like it's it's the same plant. Um, there are there are still some arrowhead shaped leaves growing off of it, the, the new ones that are growing. But there are a decent number of um, the lobed ones, and then the the new, the younger plant, the three year old mm-hmm. under your house. What is it like? Is it more? Uh, it's it's all arrowhead at this point. Interesting. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. So I guess it takes a while for that process to happen. Yeah, it seems to be a pretty slow growing plant. It propagates fast, um, but it, the the growth and the the maturity of it, I think, is very slow. That's super mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, you you probably don't know the answer to this, and it's okay. And maybe the audience does. I wonder why what's why does a plant's leaf change shape like that over time? I'm thinking about a plant that I have. I haven't talked about it in the podcast yet called porcelain berry. And it starts off looking like a grape leaf, but over time it also comes into this like five-lobed leaf. And I there's some other plants that I think do that over time. Their leaves change shape mm-hmm. and I wonder like I wonder why. It's interesting. I don't know if it's a like a sunlight like pulling in sunlight like the roots are stronger does it need like the brighter color I don't know. I'm just going Yeah, yeah, I'm maybe, maybe if you're Yeah, that's that's an interesting theory like yeah, like as it gets older it doesn't need to photosynthesize as much or 
maybe there's some advantage to ha huh, that's it that's an interesting question audience if you're smarter about plants than <laughs> me uh let me know because that uh, that's interesting it seems to be something that happens i think also you know monstera does that as mm-hmm. well it's it gets it can get the swiss cheese holes over time um yeah interesting yeah. question um maybe i'll find the answer to that someday <laughs> very cool plants wild <laughs> you're not the first person to be outshined by a sibling Thank you for sharing about uh, your sibling plant with me. Uh, do you mind if I share a plant with you? Would love to. So, uh, like I said, there's some interesting um, similarities between these two plants. In some ways, they're very different. But the, the two things that I think they're similar is I didn't know that yours was called Arrowhead Plant. I, when you sent me the name, I, I only read, like, the scientific thing. I didn't read anything else. Um, but the plant I chose is called Ironweed. So you could have Ironweed and Arrowhead Ooh, yeah. to have this kind of, like, <laughs> you know, meta- metallurgical... Mm-hmm connection which is interesting and then the other thing is is this plant is also known as being very resilient that's uh, in fact some ways it's some of the reasons why it's called ironweed has to do with how tough it is um both actually physically in some cases which i'll describe it in a second here but also just like it it is it grows anywhere and is very resilient so uh the reason i chose ironweed have you ever seen ironweed before are you familiar with ironweed I'm, I'm, i'm i'm going to google search this while you're talking yeah You'll probably find the right one. Uh, there's a few plants called ironweed, but this, I'm talking about Vernonia genus. And specifically, I think the ones that grow in my yard, and that's why I chose it, they grow in my yard, are called Vernonia novaboracensis. Um, and yeah, I chose this plant because, like I said, it grows in my yard, and it's one of the ones when we got this house that it just popped up. And I was like, what are, what are, what are you? You're really interesting. And, and it's super interesting because it's super tall. It mm-hmm. grows nine feet tall. And, and it kind of, when, it, when it was first growing, I'm like, is this some kind of sunflower? What's going on here? And it is in the gene, or it is in the family Asteraceae, so it is related to sunflowers and daisies and all those flowers like that. Um, and it grows pretty similar to a sunflower, except the flowers are these small purple flowers, mm-hmm. and they're really beautiful, little purple puffs. Um, the shape of the stem is pretty similar to a sunflower, or a little bit more like a Jerusalem artichoke, which I talk about in a couple episodes. Do you, do you grow Jerusalem artichokes? I know you've got some like some cool like miniature homestead stuff going on over there at Teal House on the Hill. Um, uh, I don't think you, do you grow those. I don't think we have artichokes yet. <laughs> It'll go on the list eventually. Uh, hi, highly recommended uh-huh. Jerusalem artichokes. In fact, I should call them sunchokes. Mm-hmm. By the way, I keep meaning to tell the audience they're sunchokes. They're not an artichoke. They're like a potato. Google them. They're mm-hmm. awesome. They're super easy to grow. Side note, that's anyway. <laughs> I, I'm just a big fan of those plants. So anytime people are growing stuff, I like to recommend those. But the stem kind of looks like that, a little bit like a sunflower. But the greens of the ironweed are much darker than most of the other plants around it. So it kind of stands out. It has this darkish, maybe a little bit of a bluish hinge hi, uh, tinge to the green. So that's kind of interesting um, look. Uh, yeah, like I said, they can get six to nine feet tall. Right now, the ones that they're perennial, so they come back every year. So they grow up that full nine feet every year from or from the rhizome, which is very impressive. Like every single season, from the same spot. And uh, right now, they're maybe about uh, three feet tall. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the season, they'll be super tall. And then they're really cool uh, plant. I like them a lot because, um, and this is something. I, so, audience, <laughs> I've been following uh, Ryan and uh, Audrey, who you remember from episode few episodes ago their project teal house on the hill and ryan you're you're a you're a journeyman beekeeper i i, I guess to say yes um, <laughs> very so newly i am also <laughs> so i'm also a beekeeper and one thing you'll learn ryan as you as you journey into your your beekeeping ways is you start to like 
learn more about the flowers. Mm-hmm. Like you start looking at flowers the way bees look at flowers. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the most important kinds of flowers for bees are the ones that bloom in the fall. Because when you want the food sources, mm-hmm. and that's a time when they really need to store up their their their, uh, their honey for the for the winter, and uh, ironweed is one of those. It blooms in the fall, kind of right at the end of when in uh, right at the end of summer when they're starting to be a nectar dearth. It's one of the really key sources of nectar for for honeybees, but also like all pollinators. It's a really important source for a lot of native pollinators as well, which is super cool. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at photos of these, and they look. They look a bit like asterisks. It's like the first thing I, I like yes. New England asterisk sort of purple daisy like. Um, I'll have to add them to my to my wildflower list that I plan on growing. Yeah, and they might they might you know there's a number of different species within the genus, um, and I don't know which one is more like uh, naturalized to where you're at. Um, this one, which I'm talking about, no, uh, Ver- Vernonia nova boracensis. Let's talk about that name really quick. I like talking about scientific names. Um, Vernonia is named after a guy named William Vernon. <laughs> so it, that happened a lot. I think this is one of the ones that uh, Carl Linnaeus, I think Carl Linnaeus just like got a list of like botanist dudes. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, you get this one, you get this one, you get this Spread one, you get this one. Um, so, so William Vernon was a 17th century botanist who collected plants in Maryland, which is just up the, you know, over the border from where I live, which is kind of cool. The last name Nova Boracensis, I, when I first read this up, they were like, well, Nova Boracensis means New York. And the other name for this plant is New York ironweed. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, wait, how does Nova Boracensis mean New York? And okay, Nova, I get mm-hmm. Nova, Latin for new, but Boracensis. And, and apparently, and it took me a while to find this one, that a, there is a Roman fort in Britain that was called a Boracum, which eventually became the town of York in uh. England. So Nova Bor- Boracensis literally means <laughs> New York. Oh, wow. Those those botanists get clever with their name. <laughs> they didn't just want to call it no. the Vernonia New Yorkia or something. They got to gotta be fancy. Can't be, can't um, be straightforward with it. Totally. Um, okay, so why it's called ironweed. I have a few different sources for this, but the main one, there's an article by Terry W. Johnson from Go Georgia Wildlife. Um, that says after blooming the seed heads turn a rusty brown some say that is the reason the plant is called ironweed because the seed heads look like rusted iron but others suggest the plant gets its name from its tough stems and long taproot and the stems are quite tough like Mm -hmm. they're they're tall but i feel like they're not as like maybe brittle as some of those other tall flowers Mm -hmm. like that they're like they're pretty sturdy so that's that um there are some traditional medicinal uses apparently but the sources on that, I'm I'm not always like can deep dive in those. But I, so there's people who have used teas and stuff. But you know, listener beware. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't drink things just because I said that has been used as tea. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, oh, this. Oh, I, speaking of that, I have this thing which I will read. Um, and <laughs> uh, like I said, audience uh, uh, disclaimer as far as medicinal uses. I just like this description because it had a lot of things I did not understand. Um, this is from a book called The American Eclectic Dispensatory from like 1800 and something. And it says its property and uses. I'm going to try to read this now <laughs> and just like count in your head, listener and Ryan, how many of these words you do not know what they mean because I didn't know a lot. Okay. Ironweed is a bitter tonic, decobstruent, and alterative. In powder or decoction, the root is beneficial uh, in aminorrhea, dyssymnorrhea, leucorrhea, 
or menorrhagia. <laughs> Uh, it, in intermittent, remitted, and bilious fevers, the detoxion or or a saturated tincture has been recommended, said to have been useful in scrofula and some cutaneous diseases. Uh, the, deco- the decoction, one or two fluid ounces of the tincture, one or two uh, fluid, fluids, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, those are the words. All those rheas <laughs> and scrofula, I don't know what those are. I think I, but, I, think uh, I counted ten. That, ten words I didn't know. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I thought it was like just one paragraph that has a lot. Uh, oh, it also apparently makes an excellent discutient application mm. to tumors. Excellent. Whatever. Whatever discutient. that means. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, uh, audience who knows their uh, vocabulary better than me, feel free to uh, let me know. I didn't have time to Google every single word in that, in that uh, old <laughs> book. It's one of the older references I found to, to the book. I was like trying to go back and Google books to find mm. old references, and that was a good one. I forget the year. Um, I love an old description okay. of um, botany of like, you can make this into a tea, but do you yeah. want to? <laughs> totally. Like, you could boil this um, in water for a while and make a tea, but. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and there probably are some properties, mm-hmm. but it, interestingly about this plant, it is a, seems to be a fairly unstudied plant. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a ton of information about it, and the Google stuff is kind of all very, the same sources repeating each mm-hmm. other. And uh, that's always interesting when that happens because, you know, this is a plant that is not, like, overtly edible. Like, there are some medicinal uses. Um, but humans, I think, s- stop, like, paying attention to plants if we don't find them immediately <laughs> useful. Mm-hmm. And this is one that I think just, you know, in some places people call it a noxious weed because it grows really well. But it's it's native to, like, large swaths mm-hmm. of the, the United States. So I don't think it's ever fair to call it a weed. But, yeah, so, it, the, like... There's not too much about it out there. So I was trying to find some more fun facts and dazzling details, and there's really not a ton. But the one that I found, and this is where I'll close this kind of part of the episode. Uh, when I was Googling ironweed, one thing kept coming up over and over again, and there's a novel by William Kennedy that came out in 1983 that won a Pulitzer Prize, and the book is called Ironweed, which is interesting. Um, and also interesting, it uh, it was made into a movie in 1988 starring Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep and they're both nominated for Academy wow. Awards <laughs> for that for this uh, movie uh, I read and the the movie seems kind of depressing it's like they're both kind of like down on their luck people mm-hmm. during the depression and I think well I, I, I know for a fact here the Ironweed apparently is never that is never said in the book like there's no references to Ironweed in the book except for the first page of the book has this very simple description that says tall ironweed is a member of the sunflower family it has a tall erect stem and bears deep purple blue flower heads in loose terminal clusters its leaves are long thin and pointed their lower surfaces downy its fruit is seed like with a double set of purplish bristles it flowers from august to october in damp rich soils from new york south to georgia west to louisiana north to missouri illinois and michigan the name refers to the toughness of the stem. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I read several places that, you know, literary analysis says that the ironweed flower symbolizes the main character Francis Phelan's resilience and survival despite the harsh circumstances of his life. So that's why it was called ironweed, apparently. That makes sense now. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took me a while to figure it out. I was trying to. I was like, "Why is this book called Ironweed?" Like, what's the metaphor like, there? Like, and it was like yeah. filling. It was filling my Google results, but I couldn't. I was just like, "What? Is, it's like the depression and like." Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's you know, those literary uh, types. You know. <laughs> I like. I like the metaphor though. It's pretty great once you uh, 
Once you understand, yeah. it makes sense. The toughness yet yeah, totally. beauty of the of the of the irony. Yeah, and uh, and I guess some people mentioned that the uh, because it's the new you know New York ironweed, like the book the the book takes place in Albany, New York, mm. and that that plant would have been a very common plant <laughs> in that area, and particularly during the Depression in places where like you know things had been like not developed for a while or like you know disturbed areas or stuff that had been run down. Ironweed is like uh, is a very uh, fast. Um, mm. It shows up in those places quickly, yeah. right? Where things have been disturbed and uh, or have like you know been run down. So interesting, interesting, really cool plant. I really love it. Great for the bees. Uh, it's it's in part of my yard that I'm trying to like turn into a little native flower <laughs> bed, and it just was just there, mm-hmm. and it's it's really cool, and it's really nice to see how tall it gets oh. uh, in the end of the year. I'll have to add it to my. I, I'm trying to do the same thing. It's a work in progress at the moment. My wildflower uh, garden habitat. Uh, I'll definitely add this to the list then. Especially if it's if it's yeah, tall it's cool and the bees. I can put it in the back. Yes, that's uh, everyone who is. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as like a like a good of a like horticulturist like that. Mm. But everywhere I read about it, as far as for like landscaping, they're like, yeah, put it in the yeah. back of your beds because it really makes a nice backdrop. Um, and then also just be aware if you are going to grow it, you want to make sure you um, it spreads mostly via rhizome, so it can really like take over. Mm. So you want to like clip away the younger ones if they're kind of getting away from where you want it, don't want it to be. And they also said that if you, if you care about this, I maybe you don't, uh, but you could clip the seed heads off if you don't want the seeds to spread because that's the way the seeds just mm-hmm. fall off this tall stalk. Or actually, the way that it naturally works, and mine's in kind of a thing surrounded by my my driveway, so this is not much of an issue. But the way that I think it spreads in the wild is those tall stems fall over, mm. and so now it spreads itself nine feet oh, away yeah, from okay, where yes. it was, right? And so like <laughs> the seeds. But I think it mostly spreads via the rhizomes. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that you know the seeds are not a primary way of like spreading or I don't know or maybe they're, yeah they're not the primary way a lot of those uh, the sun choke which you mentioned is like a two it doesn't it has flowers and seeds but the seeds aren't very often uh, fertile it's mostly via this this rhizomatic mm. spread interesting yeah so that's ironweed I love it Vestron Video proudly presents ironweed based on William Kennedy's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, starring Academy Award winners Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep. You got nowhere to go. You want to get knocked over the head? Living minute to minute, tenderly drawing on each other for the friendship and courage they need to survive. You forget when you were hungry, you came to my place begging for food. David Anson of Newsweek says Jack Nicholson commands the screen with the authority one associates with the great stars of the past. She's going to drop dead in the street someday if she keeps wandering off like that. She needs you. What do you need, Fred? I think I uh, I need a shoelace. Meryl Streep, as ever, is uncanny, says Janet Maslin of the New York Times. He's me pal, he's me pal, there ain't nobody else I can see. They are incredible. They make Ironweed a must-see film, says Joel Siegel of WABC-TV. I'd rather have him and his 15 a week than be some old millionaire's gal. He's a best... A unique and unforgettable film 
They are two of the greatest actors on the planet, says Peter Travers of People magazine. Jack Nicholson, Meryl Streep, Ironweed, nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Actor and Best Actress. Well, that was a fun episode talking about the Arrowhead plant and Ironweed with Ryan. Um, if I get around to watching the full movie Ironweed, I will uh, give you a, a little review maybe in my newsletter, which uh, you can sign up for at rootboundpodcast.com. Uh, I haven't put out many newsletters, but I'm going to start doing it monthly, so check in for that. Also, I tried to figure out why the leaves of certain plants change shape as they age, and I was Googling... I wasn't very successful, so uh, if you know that answer to that or have some theories, send them my way. It's something I'd really like to do. I think I got to dig deeper because, like, the normal Google layer of results was not giving me any clues. Anyway, I think that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Talk to you on the next episode. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Ryan Rimley. Ryan is a copywriter and marketer. He's also half of the Instagram account Teal House on the Hill. You remember Audrey from a few episodes ago. She's the other half. And he's also one of the co-hosts of the podcast, Please Be Prompt, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. There will also be links to all that stuff in the show notes. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcast.com slash support to find all the ways you can support the show, including signing up for the newsletter, which I am trying to commit here that I will put out at least once a month. Rootbound is hosted by the Jack Nicholson of Plant Podcasts, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, try to think of all the plants around you as your siblings. Rootbound is flourishing thanks to chlorophyll, the magical chemical that helps green plants turn sunlight into food. Now that's what I call a light meal. Huh? Light meal. Anyway. <laughs>